it it helped a lot actually so i kind of i kind of take like each gig i do um like a football game you know yeah, yeah. so it's it, it's uh i talked a bit about it with andy bumatai on his podcast and he was like he never thought of it that way but uh-huh. i told him it's, it's like football you know like um you know when you you watch film to prepare for your opponent you know so usually when i perform i <clears throat> record myself uh mm-hmm. i video camera or i just straight audio yeah and i would listen to the set after that and find out okay they didn't get laughs at this part i gotta work on this uh, stuff yeah, yeah. so that's like watching film you know mm-hmm. watching your opponent and um i try to correct myself on that and also um like when you play in a game you know you have the adrenaline rush yeah, yeah so stand-up comedy is the same way i get uh-huh. i get nervous before i go on stage yeah. i still do these days <laughs> but I feel like it's good because when you're nervous, you're alert, you know, yeah. you're alert and you're also excited, you know, so that's the main thing you got to have. Once you lose your nervousness, I think, I think that's when you're going to, you know, bomb or yeah. do bad because you, you think you're all that and all that. Yeah. So you're not humble anymore. Mm-hmm. So I get nervous. It's like a football game. And then when I, when I tell that first joke on stage mm-hmm. and they laugh, that's yeah. when I usually lighten up a little bit and, yeah. and kind of smooth in. And that's almost like, you know, that first play yeah. on the football field or that first hit you make. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. Have a very special guest, a very funny guy, uh, breaking into the scene of stand-up comedy, and I'm I'm happy to have him today. We're gonna talk a lot about his football career, talk about everything that he's doing and how he broke into the scene of stand-up comedy and i welcome to the podcast tumua tuine so what's up everybody <laughs> how's it going thanks for thanks, having me andrew thanks for so much for joining us today no problem so let's let's start by let's start by growing up in hawaii and you know i think everybody that sees all of your content on social media you yeah. know there's that local flavor that local inspiration that you pull from that connects to a lot of right, us, right. right it's super relatable so growing up what was it like growing up in hawaii what was your childhood like and how, um, how did that go you know i'm just local boy born and raised um my dad's side of the family is from Waianae side mm-hmm. so super local over there i mean they're all giants too my dad is like six five you know my <laughs> uncle was like six five as well my cousins i get little cousins they're, they're shooting up way past me <laughs> I'm only 5'8". I'm still waiting for my growth spurt. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully a couple of years. But but yeah, my, my dad's side grew up in Waianae side. And my mom is from um, Kaneohe side. So east side. So it's kind of... We mostly lived in Evo Beach my whole life. Mm-hmm. Not my whole life, but up to like my childhood. And then once I got into um, Punahou, mm-hmm. we, we kind of branched off to town. Mm-hmm. And now um, they, my parents just moved back to Waianae side. So okay. they kind of make a full circle since they're close to retiring. But... You know, it's it's. I love I love growing up in Hawaii. I love being um, being part of the Aloha spirit. I guess because in Hawaii we got some some big diehard fans of football. You know, football is huge in Hawaii, and then since I come from a big football family, yeah. um, it's great to experience that. And also with my comedy too, I'm thankful for all the the local people because without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Yes. <laughs> that's that's really true. Like you pull from all of your experiences yeah. in your childhood. Now coming from that big football family. Was it you were always into football growing up? Did you play other sports? What was it like growing oh, up? Yeah, oh, I always played football since I was small, small kid, like <laughs> yeah. six, seven years old. Um, I played basketball too. I'd always play football, basketball, switch mm-hmm. off back and forth. And um, since coming from a you know football family, my dad and my uncle played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. My uncle played um, for about 15 years for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, shout out to the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, my dad played for Detroit Lions uh, for like about a year, and then he played six years in um, in Edmonton for the CFL Canadian Football mm-hmm. League. And um, but yeah, they're both big time stars in Hawaii. And my dad played at UH. Malcolm played at UH for a little bit too, but mostly UCLA. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is um, not tough, but um, it's like uh, everyone think like following their footsteps, kind of uh, high expectations. Like, oh, this kid's a, a tuine, you know? Let's see what he does. Um, you're not tall yet, but let's see, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's great that I had to follow in their footsteps. And um, I guess I kind of like the 
the pressure or the, the high expectations, like I said. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 awesome growing up with a football family. You know, I, I played it my whole life, and it's something that I always I always would love. Yes, and I, you can tell when you talk about football and everything that just being around that environment has exactly you know, changed kind of how you were brought up and yeah. everything. Um, big question is. Which one did you prefer? Which one do you like better growing up, football or basketball? Definitely uh, football. <laughs> I mean, at first, I kind of liked basketball. I was into okay. it a little bit. But then, like I said, I I, I stopped growing, you know. So I was <laughs> like, okay, I got I to gotta stick to football. Yeah. But I love both of them. But probably uh, right now, football. I'll okay. take that over everything. Yeah. And you did have a good football career. I think no one can take that away from you. So yeah. when did you enter at Punahou? I entered uh, freshman year, ninth freshman grade. Year, ninth yeah, grade. I tried for eighth grade and I never get in. Okay. So then, me and my dad was like, okay, we, we try one more time, and if not, then you gotta go Campbell because that's where we was at <laughs> okay. back at the time. So then, I tried and then I, I got in and I was happy and then, just went yeah from freshman to senior year. Yes. And so, what was your high school football like? At um, it was awesome, you know. Um, coach Kaliane was mm-hmm. was my head coach. He's an awesome guy. Um, one of my best coaches uh, from my life, and even um, Coach Nate Duduat. Mm-hmm. He was my linebacker coach. Okay. He had great um, philosophies and everything. But I, I, I loved it. You know, I want my kids to go there when I have uh-huh. kids, and I think it's the the best school, best high school in the world, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely got to rep your high school. Yeah, right yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So at Punahou, what was that career like? Like, okay, you were around football the whole time. Yeah. You know, was there any adjustment for most people when you go up a level, right? Even if it's just from Pop Warner to JV, right? right? What was that like? Um, Did you play JV or did you go straight to Vars? So, yeah, back then they had a rule, um, freshman, you must play JV. You can't have uh, varsity because of the, it was only within ILH. Mm -hmm. But now since it's interleague, you can play Mm -hmm. uh, from you can play varsity as a freshman so i played jv my freshman year and then um at the end of that season i got pulled up to varsity so i was on varsity from from sophomore to to senior year senior year yeah and it was it was a big jump i guess kind of transition yeah um a lot quicker everything's quicker Mm -hmm. in the next level especially going from like pop warner to jv at (laughs) punahou you know but there's only like four (laughs) games i think we only played St. Louis and Kamehameha twice. Oh, it was I weird. See. And we lost all four games my, my JV season. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. But then, um, yeah, definitely from going from JV to varsity is that big, that big sp- speed is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's faster. A lot of more plays, mental reps you got to yeah. take. And um, it was fun. It was a great experience. And I'm, I'm happy that I, I chose to go to Punahou. So at Punahou, you played primarily linebacker. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, but well, they call it a rover, so it's kind of like it. almost like a hybrid safety. Yeah. They have you like at seven yards back, yeah, instead of yeah. five. Okay, yeah. So that was primarily your position. Did you play any offense growing up, like Pop Warner or anything? I played yeah, running back, running growing back. up. Yeah, like most kids, they go both yeah, ways. Both <laughs> yeah. ways. Yeah. And then freshman at at Punahou, I played running back as well a little bit. Okay, put me back and forth. Okay. But then once I got into varsity, I just stayed linebacker. Linebacker. Yeah. Got it. So throughout your high school career, you know, Punahou is known to be a very strong athletic department, athletic program and everything. Yeah. And you've played with some some greats at Punahou too. A lot of people go on to play collegiately or at the next level. Right. Um, what were some of the, the best times at Punahou or best memories playing football there? Um, definitely winning the state championship my senior year. I mean... We went there, all my years there, we went to the, the state championship mm-hmm. and we lost my junior, my sophomore and junior year, we lost to Kouku mm-hmm. twice in a year. And then my senior year, we finally won it mm-hmm. against Milani. So that was a big, that was a big accomplishment that I'll, I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. And also just our trips, uh, my sophomore and senior year, we traveled to San Diego okay. to play, um, I think Vista was one team and I forget the other team my sophomore year. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was a team that, Reggie Bush played for okay I forget his high school okay but um yeah those trips are fun you know traveling with the boys and just you know acting stupid <laughs> and, and doing whatever you want yeah it felt like a like a college team I guess but mm. I'll, I'll never forget those memories yes yeah oh that's awesome and what about so to kind of bounce back and forth what about your basketball career how, how was that at Punahou um I played basketball from freshman to junior year okay and then senior year i decided to just focus on football okay just uh because i feel like oh this is what i want to pursue you know okay. so i just took more time to um train in the off season but yes. 
it was, it was fun playing basketball was fun um i it's kind of i treat it as a secondary sport so i treat it treat it as something just to stay in shape mm. while i'm not playing football mm. instead of just you know going to school and going home yeah. so and plus it's fun you know I, I love playing basketball and a lot of the um football boys would would play both sports mm. so we would always enter the season later yeah. than they started mm. so it is it, it was fun but basically just to stay in shape keep my feet moving yes yeah so i asked a lot of the athletes this because you know there's usually something that makes you realize yeah i can play at the next level and that's yeah. when people get a little bit more focused and things was there ever that moment that clicked for you that you're thinking yeah i can actually play football at the collegiate level and what kind of happened how did that play out and what made you decide i should just focus on football my yeah. senior year probably the first game of my junior year so sophomore year i didn't start at punahou um i just played special teams and then junior year i i I started and our first game was against kohuku Mm -hmm. so it was it was was, uh almost like a like a payback i guess because sophomore year the last game of my sophomore year we lost to them and the first (laughs) game is when we play them at kohuku Mm -hmm. and then um i remember i was starting that game at middle linebacker and then i think i had like about like 13 tackles and then i was like okay that you know and this is the this is the state championship team, you know. Uh-huh. So the team to beat, and then that's when I guess when that moment clicked, we're like, okay, maybe I can pursue this. Yes. And I also I never came out that whole game. I played the whole game mm-hmm. on defense, you know. Okay. All the it was like I forget how much snaps it was, but it was, yeah. it was a long game though. <laughs> it was a long game, and it, it was I was kind of bust up too. But then I just kind of told myself, okay, maybe I can play at the next level. Yes. So. And yeah. that was my first game starting, too, on, on mm-hmm. varsity. So it, it was a great moment for me. Definitely. Yeah. So during junior year, as the season progressed, you know, obviously you're doing well, right? Yeah. When did you start to talk to colleges? What kind of things were you thinking right. going into your senior um, year? So junior year, like, I think junior year is the biggest year for yeah. um, recruitment, a lot of people say. So I would have some um, colleges talking to me. I mean, UH was always interested in me, but mm-hmm. they never gave me a scholarship, but they would always send like handwritten letters mm-hmm. and stuff like that or call and see how you're doing mm-hmm. but i had a lot of a lot of d2 d3 d3 people um would come in but my, my i always wanted to play d1 you know so <laughs> i kind of like brushed them off on the side i mean i was so thankful that they were mm-hmm. you know talking to me and giving me looks but i told myself i want to play d1 and i always wanted to um play for uh and if i didn't get a d1 offer i would walk on to uh and that's mm-hmm basically what i did but so junior year is when they started talking to me got it got yeah. it and then senior year so senior year you started all the games too yeah right and i mean senior year that was the i guess your special year because that's when you guys won states and yeah. everything and you really got to not only play football but now you had some goals of playing at the next level right. for sure so when when did you finally decide like hey i'm gonna try to walk on uh or i'm gonna go to uh probably like my whole senior year so like since i wasn't getting any offers you know mm-hmm. um the start of my senior year i kind of like just said okay i'm just gonna go to uh okay. and then um see what happens i almost went to army because okay. they they kind of gave me like a, like an offer but mm-hmm. then their coach got fired like immediately after they, they talked to me okay. about that he was a uh, i forget his name i don't know but he's he's he played at uh as well he's an old guy oh got it yeah, yeah. and he played with my dad at, at uh so I mean, I went on like a the, the couple of visits with them when they came to Hawaii and all mm-hmm. that. But I almost went there, but I didn't want to be in the army. You know, I kept telling <laughs> my parents, I don't want to do that because you got to serve five years yeah. after mm-hmm. you graduate. So then at, from that moment on, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to UH. I'm just going to walk on. If they don't want to give me anything, then uh, I'm just going to do it. So, I mean, they gave um, me a preferred walk on. They told me they, they mm-hmm. want me, but they don't have scholarships. They gave yeah. me that whole talk. So. I guess I, I always knew I was I wanted to go to UH if I didn't get anything. So got it. Beginning of senior year is when I started. Yes, especially that. following partly in your dad and your uncle's yeah, footsteps, definitely. right? And UH has that strong pipeline of you know strong local players and everything. Yeah. So now let's let's transition a little bit. So through high school, you know, you played at Punahou, you did really well. Now you're going to walk on as a preferred walk on at UH, and what was that transition like? Um, it, it was it was awesome. I mean. I think as soon that year that I walked on, they had that new rule where mm-hmm. like you can the walk-ons can eat uh, at the, the training table. Yeah. Before it was a separate. Yeah, they would treat <laughs> them like like slaves. Like they had to sneak in food to give them. It's crazy. Like yeah. to think that. But I think the year before that they they switched it so everyone was treated mm-hmm. equally. So it felt like I was uh, treated as a scholarship player pretty much because mm-hmm. um, I got all like the travel gear and all that. But I ended up redshirting as soon as I got there. So. Okay. 
just because um I guess that's that's how you got to do it unless mm-hmm. you're like a standout player. Mm-hmm. But uh it, it was awesome, you know. I I I, lo- I loved UH. It was a uh, it was eye-opening to see I guess again the speed of the game is yeah. a lot faster. There's a lot of better athletes, there's a lot of more players trying to fight for your spot. Mm-hmm. And um it was, it was a great experience and I'm I'm happy that I went there. Yes. <laughs> So now at UH, you made this transition to safety, right? Yeah. As your natural position and things like that. So how did that work? Because coming from a linebacker, I mean, you kind of um, alluded to it a little bit, being undersized, right? Right. And you know Randy pretty well. Randy yeah. and his story about being undersized and taking, uh, getting scholarships, you know, <laughs> taken away from him just for being undersized a little yeah. bit. But for you, you wanted to play football. You wanted to play Division One. So how was that transition to okay, I'm just because of maybe the size issue or whatever, right. you need to see how you can actually get some playing time or contribute to the team. So what was that like transitioning from linebacker to more of a safety role? Well, um, so when I got there as a redshirt freshman, I was a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then my freshman year, I was still a linebacker. Okay. And then sophomore year is when I made the transition. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why is because I was, I was undersized. But I mean... Um, linebacker is my natural position you know mm-hmm. I knew how to play but there was like about like 16 linebackers got it, it, was, got it. it was filled so and I was like okay I'm never gonna gonna have a chance to mm-hmm. to play this um, so I focus on I mean there's always special team that's how you make the team mm-hmm. special team so that's how kind of how I got to travel my sophomore year it was got I it. was on the kickoff and kick return team and mm-hmm. and punt team mm-hmm. um, but I made that transition because there was too many linebackers there was about 16 of them yeah. so and there's only like about maybe like six safeties or maybe five and they're low on that and they kind of asked me too like the safety coach he noticed i was kind of undersized and and a little bit and he said oh you want to try make the move to safety and i said yeah i'll I'll try and then so (laughs) i did that it's a um it's kind of uh leonard peters told me this because he was Mm -hmm. talking to me when i when i transitioned he said he said it's easier to go from linebacker to safety and instead of safety to linebacker got it so Basically, you're just playing a little more back, and I got a few tips from him, and mm-hmm. it 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 was it was a little tough, but I, I got the hang of it. You know, yeah. got to be more quicker. Always think pass first instead of run, <laughs> yeah. and just uh, gotta commit more, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Was there? I mean, with anything, right? Even if you're around football all the time, there's definitely a learning curve. Yeah. But was there anything that you had to approach differently now, as far as you know, studying the game or training, or right. were there things that you kind of had to shift with? how you were approaching training uh i would say like focus more on like my speed more mm-hmm. since everything's fast playing back playing 12 yes. to 14 yards back mm-hmm. and um just my man technique my man coverage i have to mm-hmm. work on a little bit so i focused on that it's uh it, i actually ended up liking safety more than than linebacker you know mm-hmm. because uh pretty much you you're like the last guy but you also make everybody correct so if the linebackers Mm -hmm. mess up you know if they take the wrong guy you can you know cover for them and take Mm -hmm. that guy Mm -hmm. and it's just i learned so much things playing safety because you gotta learn like what what does the linebacker do what does the Mm -hmm. defensive what does the corner do you're pretty much like almost like the the quarterback of the 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 defense you know so it was fun learning all that and then i learned from some great coaches um abe elamimian is a Mm -hmm. He's still coaching at UH. He's one of the my good coaches that I had as a lifetime. He taught me a lot of things, and it is is a great is a great position. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things with all the athletes, especially football athletes, right? Football comes with a lot of injuries. Like yeah. You're never, well, hopefully you're close to hundred percent, but most of the time, you know, you're banged up a little bit. You suffer injuries. Right. Um, and that's how I first initially met you a yeah. little bit with your, your foot injury. So before we get into that injury, before like at Punahou in your beginning years, early years at uh, UH, were there any significant injuries that you had to overcome? No, I had zero injuries, maybe like a mild concussion, but okay. I had none injury. I was hardly ever in the training room at yeah. Punahou. Um, I would never take my ankles at, at Punahou, but in college, they made it required and it felt a lot better. <laughs> yeah. But I never had any significant injuries until mm. that one, my foot injury, until I met you. <laughs> yes. I think that was well, going into my senior year, yeah? Yes. Yeah. So why don't you um, explain a little bit more about that? And I think it was happened. the Liz Frank yes. ligament, yeah? Yes. I had, yeah, when they told me that, I had no idea what, 
I was like, what? The Diary of Anne Frank? What? You know? So, <laughs> yeah. um, I got it. I forget who we were playing, but it was some D1AA team. Okay. And I was on um, kickoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone stepped on my foot. I don't know. I thought I sprained it, but mm-hmm. I ended up uh, just icing it on the sideline and continued to play the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the next day, it was all swollen and kind of bruised. Yeah. And then I couldn't even walk on it. So I remember not practicing that week. And then they told me to take an x-ray. And they told me um, it looks like the two of my... There's three Liz Frank ligaments, I yeah. guess. And then two of them was torn. Uh-huh. And then so um, they told me, like, oh, I need surgery. Or they got to do the, the glue thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it was um, Kaivi's dad, Kaivi Chung. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dane Chung, yeah. Yeah. The dad, yeah. So he... He, he always was because Clavey was on the team as me but he would always okay. come around the players and, and just when we were working out and stuff and then he saw that I had my injury and then and then he asked me what's wrong and then he's like what oh you don't need you don't need surgery just go uh, just go pro they, 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 they heal him real quick or something <laughs> so I guess he called you guys or whatever and then he, he got me in there with pro and then I oh, went to it. saw you and I didn't even know about that story oh you didn't so, yeah, no, yeah. yeah so he called I think he called um, I don't know if it was Dr. Khan. Yeah, he yeah, probably called probably, Dr. Yeah. Khan. And he said, the, he's like, oh, they want him to have a surgery or something. But the <laughs> thing is not that bad. You know, I mean, I had two different looks from it from, okay. I forget the name, but he's a surgeon mm-hmm. at, at UH. Okay. And then I had another look from down by Waipil, that okay. that um, foot place. I don't know yeah. what it's, I forget what it's called. Okay. But they told me, oh yeah, you need surgery. And they said, I got to do the, the gluing one. What is that called? The fusion I guess, yeah. So Liz Frank sprain for the listeners to just fill in some of the blanks. (laughs) It's it's really the middle of your foot, so like the arch in your foot. Yeah. It's the the, uh, ligaments that hold your small bones in your foot to the bones that connect to your metatarsal or your toes. Right. And that's kind of important because to weight bear, you need that support. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, of course, varying degrees of the sprain, right? Right. But a lot of times, if it's going to be unstable, that's when they start to look at are they mm-hmm. going to re- reconstruct the ligament or are they going to fuse the bones together? Yeah, so it's probably true. one of the two. Yeah. yeah. They said it's common for football players. Like they had um, a lot of pro athletes had it and they would do the, the, the glue one where they would glue it together. But they said the, the consequences is that when I'm like 40 or 30, mm-hmm. I'm going to have arthritis and I'm going to have a hard time, you know, playing basketball with my kids or mm-hmm. something. So I didn't want to do that. And they said if I did the actual regular surgery, I would have to wait six to eight yeah. months for so my whole senior year will be done because it was yeah. in the beginning of senior year I think I believe so or I in the think middle. I saw you in the spring or Some, early yeah. summer or something yeah yeah, yeah. so then I just <laughs> decided to go with you and just do physical therapy on it and, and it turned out to be okay I mean yeah. it's still sore today a little bit <laughs> when I when I run on it a lot but uh-huh. I was able to um, you know pull through that my senior year yes from what I remember we didn't see you didn't come in that many times but we just kind of looked at it, gave you some things yeah. that will probably help you to get back to football. Yeah. Because, I mean, walking and all of that, when I saw you, that was fine. Daily activity was fine. It yeah. was just when I specifically remember this, and I hope you don't mind sharing this, but I specifically remember the one thing that really hurt was backpedaling. Yeah, backpedaling. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'm, I'm really close with the UH athletic training staff, uh, you know, as, as everyone knows. So when I had that conversation, I was thinking, wait, you're a safety yeah, you need to backpedal, and you can't backpedal. So I was like, I was like, okay, I was expecting you to come in, and it would be like a huge issue or anything. But actually, when I saw you, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I thought right, um, and with the proper training, proper rehab, making sure that your muscles can support your foot. Yeah, I think that's a lot of times what the athletes need. Yeah, even for taking care of old injuries, right? Mm. Because a lot of times you get banged up, and then you just kind of push through it, like most athletes will do right right but to a certain extent you need to do things to address that so it doesn't cause future problems yeah but no that that was an interesting <laughs> story and it, it's good that you were relatively healthy through your career and that was the first that first a, kind of significant yeah. injury but at the same time the timing well the timing of any injury is not good but the timing for you that was your senior season right yeah. so you really wanted to make sure that you could play end your college career right. Um, how did the senior season go after you kind of took care of some of the strength issues in your foot and got back into the season? It, I mean, it went well. It was always a nagging injury, like mm-hmm. you said. So I always would have to tape it every practice. Yeah. And I always would, um, I just took your exercises that you told me and I would have a little treatment with one, with one of the trainers, uh-huh. like daily I'd have to check in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah it was always a nagging injury I always had to tape it uh but i pulled through i guess yeah. i guess towards the end it kind of like the pain got significantly less mm-hmm. because i just kept taking care of it but yeah. you know it's, i just tre- treated it as a uh, everyday thing I have to do is take care of the foot yes. and it was fine but yeah backpedaling was tough and that's the main thing I do like <laughs> yeah. it would be a small step but I would feel pain so yeah. I specifically remember like some practices where I couldn't even I would still push through it but every time I would backpedal I would oh. feel pain every single time yeah yeah, and, and it sucked but yeah was there any so many times on the podcast and all of my content there's so much that we learn from injuries not only about your body physically yeah. right but everything else so was there anything that that injury or going through that experience taught you especially your senior year when everything is like coming together right uh-huh. was there anything that you really learned from having to rehab every day having to deal with this injury um basically like i feel bad for people that have like more injuries you know because it's tough i know especially in the nfl there's some older guys and they're all banged up like especially running backs the big position they have a lot of injuries mm-hmm. so like i would see I never, like I told you, I'd never been in the trainers constantly before all this. <laughs> yeah. So every time I would go to tape, I would always see like the same guys, you know, getting <laughs> yeah. in there, getting treatment. And I'm like, oh, this guy is, must not be that bad. They're just trying to take off practice and all that. <laughs> but but once I finally had a, like a real injury, yeah. you know, I kind of put myself in their shoes. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. it's real, you know, it's real. <laughs> it's and real. I got to just take care of myself. And it's all part of the game. You know, treatment is part of, part of football and you yes. just got to deal with it. Yes. Yeah. That, that's awesome to hear what you've learned through those experiences too and if you think about your entire UH career what were some of your most memorable experiences there especially since it was your dream to play yeah. at UH right definitely first getting in there to that first year just adjusting you know it was it was like I said eye-opening to finally be on a D1 college football team as, mm-hmm. especially at UH too because I always grew up watching them watching mm-hmm. Colt Brennan <laughs> yeah. Leonard Peters yeah. keep saying his name <laughs> but yeah so it, it was it was a dream come true so definitely mm-hmm. my first year there and then I would say um, I guess winning the Hawaii Bowl mm-hmm. we won it my junior year mm-hmm. so we went my junior year my senior year but we lost my senior year mm-hmm. so um, that was our, my first bowl game and it was, it was a it was a cool experience you mm-hmm. know we stayed at the hotel about five days i think yep. at um i think it was uh the moana surf rider mm-hmm. so right on the strip and yeah. it, it, it was fun you know we could pretty much do whatever we want the first two days and after that yeah. we was kind of in schedule yeah but um definitely winning the hawaii bowl um my senior year we went again and it was fun too but we lost so yeah. and also um my ending so i got into comedy uh Mm. from uh so if i never went to uh i wouldn't ever gone yes. to comedy you know so and then i remember uh my junior year banquet i had to do like a coach rollo asked me to do 15 minutes for the at the banquet okay were you at the banquet or no i wasn't like, at was the a, banquet oh, okay, that year, so, yeah. <laughs> so that one i pretty much like uh like <laughs> roasted some players and coaches and then it was it was crazy everyone was going wild and all yeah. that and, and this one coach got a little butt hurt too so. <laughs> but that, I would never forget that it was, it was fun yeah, yeah so this is this is perfect transition so yeah. going to UH what was your major again? Communicology Communicology yeah. and you well, said I this changed is- it like I, at first I tried to go kinesiology okay and then um, the the guidance uh, the academic advisors was like oh no you should change that because you know you gotta i guess it's tough adjusting with football mm-hmm. with that but i mean though there's still some football players that, that do it mm-hmm. too but it interferes with our times when we would have meetings so we would have workouts in the morning or practice mm-hmm. and then either workouts in the afternoon yep. and then meetings all the way to like 6 30 yes. so then most of the classes was we'd have to finish classes by three o'clock i think okay so some of the classes was past that so they said mm-hmm. oh you should just change it okay. so i changed the business because i wanted to get into business and okay. then i ended up not liking that and <laughs> then i um switched to communicology okay that everyone's like oh what is that communicology <laughs> <laughs> oncologist what <laughs> and then pretty much it's the speaking part of communications okay pretty much like broadcaster or mm-hmm. sports anchor or news mm-hmm. anchor with all that so i did that and then um I minored in theater, so Got it. yeah, that's so, how the step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you said that communicology was a, only at UH. Only yeah, at UH. Yeah. Okay. If you type it in, on, it's not going to pop up on Google. Got you it. Type it on Word. You're going to have that red line. Like, oh, this guy's <laughs> making up a lie. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, so that's interesting that it was just specific to UH, um, but that explains, you know, your 
your speaking ability too. You yeah, practiced yeah. it throughout school. And then what you just kind of shared with me before we recorded this was that's when you start to started to get introduced into stand-up when you took a actual stand-up course, right? Yeah. So explain a little bit more about how that played out. So, what happened. Um, so freshman year, you know, they, they give you all these easy classes to take okay. just to build up your GPA, I guess. And one of it was um, theater. Mm-hmm. And it was like big intro to theater. There's a bunch of the football boys was in it. So that was fun. And then... I was like, oh, I really like theater. This is, this is cool. I like acting. And then I took another theater class. And then another one, like my, all my years and <laughs> yeah. semesters. And then my advidance counselor was like, oh, you only need like four more classes and you have a minor in theater. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll do that then. And like, yeah, mine as well. So I ended up deciding to minor in theater. And I think it was my sophomore or junior year. It was 2017, I think, my okay. junior year maybe. Okay. That's when I first started doing comedy. It was spring into that. So like January, yeah. Okay. Around there. Um, I saw the stand-up comedy class and they don't normally have it this is like the first time or the second time they ever had it in history okay so it was a year before me and then that year i took it so i saw it in the description and i told my friend hunter hughes he was on the football team as well i was like oh we should um should take this class he just was right there next to me and then he's like oh yeah stand yeah i always wanted to try stand-up comedy And, and i'm thinking that that class is just gonna teach you like the basics of stand-up comedy like you'd have to watch specials and see okay yeah. maybe there's a formula a joke formula and something but yeah. i didn't know that they require you to um go to bars and perform so oh. that was throughout the whole year you have to do that like you have to go like four visits i think yeah and do performance i didn't know that so i just took the class and then it almost got canceled like i told you it was only yeah. five people yeah. so i think we had four at first and the teacher's like we need one more person or else we got to cancel this class and then someone just came so it, it was good um that's where I was first introduced to stand-up comedy. And then my teacher was Nick Murray. So he was also a local, kind of a local comedian, but he was okay. also a, a theater major or theater um, graduate okay. at UH. So the, the stand-up comedy was part of the theater department. Got it. It was in there. So it was called Theater 9 something, I don't know. But the description was stand-up comedy. And I took it and I, I fell in love, I guess. Yeah. You know, it was fun. And... um I was like, well, this is kind of easy for me. Yeah. And then I never forget the, for the final project, mm-hmm. okay. the final um, exam, we had to do 10 minutes in front of a, a live audience okay. at Anna O'Brien's. Okay. You know where that is? Yep, it's yep. on university. Yep. They, they have some comedy shows there, but not right now. Everything's shut down. Uh-huh. But um, I had to do 10 minutes in front of the class. Our whole class had to go to. So, and okay. all the, fo- the whole like football team was there because they found out me and Hunter is doing comedy. And okay. they're like, okay, we got to see this. We got to see this. So everyone came. And then I think I, I did 10 minutes and I, I killed the whole place. Everyone was uh, like exploding. I have some videos on my phone. But, yeah. And then from that point on, I just, you know, fell in love. Got it. <laughs> so, you know, going through that experience, were, were there anything that, you were kind of thinking that, hey, I can pursue this beyond. Was it that final final project that you um, started realizing, hey, maybe I like to do this and I can yeah. actually pursue this? Or was there something that clicked? Yeah, it was, so I guess that, that final performance was... Yeah. And as soon as I finished that performance, one of the promoters of that place, Jose Dynamite, he's yeah. a, he's the owner of Comedy U and, mm-hmm. and Anna O'Brien. He does shows there. So he was there. He was there watching us. And then um, he immediately invited me to do a show like the next two days you know who paul gotta is yes yes yeah so he was performing yeah at at the wisp in waikiki and he wanted me to open for him and i was like oh okay i had no idea what like what to do and i was like um (laughs) i told him like oh i only have like 10 minutes is it okay if i do the same jokes he's like yeah just do exactly what you did there and do it there so i did that there and i did good as well and i was like okay maybe this is something i can pursue yeah and then i i met up with augie t and then um he's kind of like uh he kind of knows my family a little bit Mm -hmm. so on his uh, instagram live i remember i was i was joining his live and then you know you can comment stuff and all that so i mean i did a i did a rewind before that like a year ago before that i did an interview with him for a, a project for one of my my oh, okay. school courses it wasn't the comedy class mm-hmm. it was just um my topic was local comedy in my hawaiian class got it so my topic i chose in that hawaiian class was stand-up comedy and he was one of the, the comedians mm-hmm. i would interview so i was at the radio station i talked story with him almost like how we're doing now yeah and um so i kind of had a little bit of relationship with him yeah. so when fast forward back to when i started being into stand-up 
I was into his live and then I comment I was like oh okay, I do um I do stand up now yeah. and then he goes oh yeah he goes oh you like perform next week at my um <laughs> Ever Beach show yeah you can do uh five minutes yeah. and I was like oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah so then I ended up going to Coral Creek in Ever Beach okay. the golf course he gave me 10 minutes so I did 10 minutes there in front of like real local people you know yeah. so and that one did good I did awesome and I was like okay maybe I can pursue this yeah. and then right after that he told me he's like he was impressed with that and he's like oh you like do the Hawaii theater yeah. and I was like oh I, I'm only like eight days into this like you know Hawaii theater already I didn't think of it as a big thing but yeah. other comedians is like oh that's you know that's that's huge a lot of people like wait their whole like five years to get to that mm. so I ended up opening for Kavini Vaitai and the Jimmy Weeks project okay. at the Hawaii theater okay. like couple months into my comedy career and then from there i just think okay maybe i can still do this yeah yeah <laughs> and it's crazy to think because like all of your experiences even from punahou days or whatever yeah if things didn't line up yeah you know, the timing <laughs> wouldn't have been right because <laughs> exactly even like that was the second time you said that they had that stand-up comedy class yeah, and you know time. like how everything they never did have with- it ever again <laughs> The, oh, te- really? the teacher moved to Oregon. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So everything just kind of lined up and the timing was perfect for you. Yeah, it was. Now, if you think about where you pull a lot of your your material from, uh-huh. right? Is it more from growing up? Is it your experiences? Is it who you know? Or is it actually from your UH, like the ed- education in theater? Um, basic, yeah. Stand-up comedy is, is, is uh, kind of a tricky thing. It's pretty much all your life experiences you know and you know being in hawaii growing up in hawaii with a local family with a a football family that i'm not as tall as them you know (laughs) i never really got scholarships you know i had to walk on when i was at uh i never really play as much you know so i mean all that uh is like what kind of i guess not pain but they say comedy is like pain trying Mm. to like find a uh uh, shed light on it I yeah. guess I guess it kind of To a certain extent With that with me But it's all my experiences You know Like uh-huh. being shorter than my dad I have a joke about saying Like you know Like when I get my growth spurt You know <laughs> When I like uh, Eat cereal I always got to ass Yeah <laughs> I did see that before <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one <laughs> Yeah it's all life experiences And pretty much I try to think uh, I want to be that person That every local guy Is like Oh I know that person In my life You know Like I know that <laughs> I know that Melvin, that cable guy. I know <laughs> yeah. all this. I know that. So I try to be that 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 guy that everyone knows in their life. Like, okay, I relatable to, to yeah. local people, and that's what I try to look for. Yes, you know, after you started, it sounded like everything were going full speed. Yeah, like a couple months into it and everything. Yeah, when- I didn't think that much. I thought it was nothing. But then, uh, little guy, this other comedian, he's like uh, Augie T's. Um, I guess partner i guess okay. he did a lot of shows together and he's like oh wow, this is huge he told me yeah. he's like you you know how much like a lot of people try to like do this in hawaii and they, <laughs> they never get this and you got the hawaii theater right after three months in you know yeah, so, yeah. and i was like oh wow yeah i'm just grateful and thankful for it yes. so i was still absorbing it like a sponge yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. everything was happening so yeah. fast so after that kind of initial three months or so i mean you know, you're starting to blow up, I think, you know, a lot of bit, great yeah. material, a lot of great content. Um, was there anything that made you realize like, okay, I need to focus a little bit more on certain things or how to actually get better at this? Yeah. Was there that learning curve and growing process? Um, definitely. You know, it's always the thing about stand up is a lot of people. Andy Bumatai told me this. Um, he's another idol. I look up yes. to a mentor. So I actually met him that that first night I opened up for Paul Gada. He just popped in there. Okay. Just so happened to be there at the (laughs) right time. And he's like, oh, you're really good and all that. So um, I I got some tips from him. And then he's been doing it for over, I'm sure, over 30 years Mm -hmm. doing stand-up comedy. And he basically said, like, you know, I've I've been only doing it almost four years. January will be four years for me. And he said that feels like a a heartbeat for him, you know. (laughs) But every year you learn new things you learn um you know how to deal with crowds how to transition better so it's always a learning curve the more you do it the more you learn you can't yeah. just stay at home and, and and study you gotta um you gotta actually be on stage and, and experience all this so yes and that's a good message for everybody because everything. that's with everything right? yeah like football anything you just can't know have the knowledge you yeah. gotta actually apply it you and experience it. it and you get better and better as you go yeah. along so why don't we talk a little bit more about your comedy career and everything you're four years in yeah yeah um you've had a lot of good shows big shows and things like that and is there anything that 
is very memorable in the past four years that has helped you along your career? Probably um, the first time I headlined. So, you know, starting off as a comedian, they they try to tell you to do like, oh, what is your your tight five? So like your your best five minutes, you know, you kind of start off with doing five minutes and then you move on to seven or 10 minutes and then 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So when you usually like open for people, you usually give like maybe 10 to 15 minutes of material. So I've been doing that like that first, I guess, um, year i guess was all like 15 minute spots okay you know at like feature shows at anna o'brien's or some mm-hmm. some small pub irish pub places in town yeah and then once in a while would open for people that would come from not super huge comics like joe coy but um maybe like ahmed ahmed i don't mm-hmm. know if you, if you know who that is mm-hmm. this other so like kind of well-known comics in the mainland but not like nation huge you yeah. know so i would open for them when they would come to hawaii usually at the blue note or hawaiian brian's okay. and all that and I'd only be doing like 15 minute, 10 minute spots. And then, you know, you know, usually the headliner does like an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I built up some material and I was thinking, okay, I think it's time to headline. So yeah. I decided to, um, I think it was like a year in, I headlined at the Hawaiian Bryans. Okay. So that place holds like 300 people. Okay. I didn't think I was going to sell it out, but I ended up selling it okay. out. You know, yeah. A lot of it was, was family and, and friends, and they was all stoked for me. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a moment I'll always remember. Yeah. And just doing an hour of material and, and being comfortable being on stage for that long, you mm-hmm. know, because it's a whole new game. You're not, trying yeah. to, you're not trying to speed through your stuff in 15 minutes. You got to, like, learn how to pace, uh-huh. learn how to acknowledge the audience, mm-hmm. learn some transitions. And so once I did that, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm a headliner now, you know. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> I guess, like, a year later... I decided to um, do a monthly headlining show at Honey's Restaurant in okay. Kolao Golf Course. Okay. So I got that gig over there. So every month I was doing headlining, you know, and I was got just it. learning how to be more comfortable on stage and, uh-huh. and comfortable with doing an hour, you know. <laughs> yeah. So those two moments right there, just getting that monthly spot and, and headlining for the first time is, is, is something I'll always remember. Yes. Yeah. What what is some of the big lessons that you've learned along the way? Because it's probably not only applicable to people that yeah. want to go into comedy, right? But it's also applicable to anybody that's doing anything that they're trying to pursue, right? So, what are some of the big lessons that you've learned through this process? Um, I guess you gotta um, you gotta enjoy the moment. I guess you know, yeah. there's people get caught up of you know like the business side of things, or they're they're trying to think like, oh, I don't have that much followers on Instagram. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm set. why is he getting this spot? Why am I not getting? Just learn how to enjoy it and learn how to. Um, if you're trying to pursue comedy, just try to be funny first. You know, that's the main thing. Yeah. Once you be funny and people notice you, you're gonna build a following and, and things are gonna fall into place. So, mm-hmm. main thing is just enjoy the moment and, and try not to worry about the business side or the numbers and everything just be happy that you're doing what you love Mm -hmm. for um your dream i guess and and it'll come it'll come out (laughs) no i definitely can tell how how passionate you are it shows in your work it shows i mean we'll get to all of your social media handles and everything but people have to go check it out because there's a lot of funny stuff if you need a laugh like sometimes just go to your page and there's something that you're going to be relating to wherever you are that day but anyway i can tell the passion and everything what what are some of the big reasons that keep driving you to come out with more content, create more material? Um, probably that people are um, like noticing me now, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I did <clears throat> um, my headlining spot, my first headlining spot, I I guess on I told not to worry about the followers, but I'm talking about the followers <laughs> now. So I never really had that much follower. Maybe I had like maybe three thousand followers mm-hmm. on Instagram, and then um, I think I only blew up social media wise um during this lockdown actually so i only had like five thousand followers and then um that first was in march you got in the lockdown so like that first couple months i gained about like um like twenty thousand followers Uh just because i put up some viral videos and all that so that motivates me is that okay i have fans now i have people i gotta i gotta i gotta entertain you know i have reoccurring fans so i can't be doing the same Mm. material the jokes i gotta come up with more stuff more relatable things i gotta i gotta please them you know yeah so and plus they're paying money to see you yeah Mm -hmm. so and i'm thinking okay i gotta give these guys a a a money worthful show so that always that always motivates me to come up with more stuff and Mm -hmm. more material i'm always trying to trying to write i need to write more you know (laughs) some comics they try to write every day it, it's tough because sometimes you just can't think of anything so i gotta learn how to free write and just hopefully ideas come that way yeah 
and that's interesting to hear um i i definitely will say yeah you've put out some excellent material during covid times i mean if people don't know you know we're not gonna get into politics but your your governor ige skits and your josh green skits and stuff but you know it's just i have have a funny story about uh the governor ige one so so you seen that one right so it was was so that was when the lockdown first started and i would always see governor ige on 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 tv talking you know random and then there's um deaf interpreter yeah on the side so, and we're like this is the first time we're yeah. seeing this we're like what why, why is she why is she going all out you know so i was like i told my friend jacob i was like okay we gotta do we gotta film something and i'm gonna be the i'm gonna be david Ege, you be the interpreter and then um because he actually knows a little bit of sign language you know okay. so okay like not he's not fluent in it but yeah. he he knows a little bit so we we filmed the video we posted it and then it went um i guess kind of viral a little bit yeah. but then it also had a negative effect to it to the deaf community so oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they was pissed they was they, they was like I, I'm not lying they sent me like death threats in, oh, in, no, yeah. in emails and all that uh-huh. saying they're gonna try like um fire me from my job or something and saying that okay. oh it's not right for you to tease a deaf person and all uh-huh. that but but I wasn't teasing them you know yeah. the main joke was that Governor Ige is that was the joke was him yeah. you know and then the interpreter is like pretty much all over the place because his words is all over the place <laughs> so um <laughs> but and I, I i never thought i was like okay i'm a clean comic i don't i don't yeah. curse i don't you know talk mm-hmm. about any any bad stuff but i'm getting all hated by a whole deaf it got it went like to the mainland the okay. deaf people in the mainland got saw it. the video and they're like oh they don't even know who governor Ige is and yeah. they saw it they're like oh this guy is going to hell i hate oh, this guy yeah. and i'm thinking like what, what is wrong with these guys and then i realized i was like <laughs> they're watching the video with no audio <laughs> so so, they're, so they're, they're, yeah. all they see is just like i like teasing everybody so yeah. so that was a big miss communication you know i, I mean I, I love the deaf community i know yeah. there's, it's strong in hoi i i realized that when that video went out but that was just a big uh funny story i like to save that <laughs> yeah. i got a lot of hate from that video just yeah. just from that <laughs> and and you know i i think with the bigger that you get right there's yeah. going to be more critics there's going to be more supporters of course um one i think you're doing great in just bringing smiles and laughter especially during these times yeah. i think that's why you've seen more growth and success during the past five months or so everyone's um, on their phone so i yeah. yes exactly and you know i i look forward to the next new skit that you're gonna come out <laughs> yeah. with and all of that but with what you just said it's an interesting story because we've talked a lot about the success the rapid growth and everything and you're gonna headline all of these new shows coming up but what were some of the big obstacles and what were some of the hard times that you had to figure out like hey how do i get better or you know like deal with some of the the critics yeah um i guess that one was was an obstacle i was yeah. i almost deleted the video but then i was like nah i i should not because i feel like i'm not doing anything wrong you know <laughs> if it was something that i felt truly that i did wrong i would i would delete it mm-hmm. but um that was one obstacle um i guess <clears throat> coming up with new material is always tough you know mm-hmm. And I always uh, not stressed out, but I always um, feel like okay, I gotta I gotta come up with something new. I gotta come up with a new skit. I gotta keep going, and it's tough, you know. It's tough yeah. to come up with all these ideas. I try to post a video like once a week. Mm. Oh, let me rewind. Um, before I never did post any um, okay skits before because I wasn't really for that. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna be a stand-up comic and just do this. <laughs> but when the lockdown happened, you know, I couldn't perform anywhere. You know, mm. they they cut the live shows for a little bit. So I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Am I just going to, you know, stay at home and, and not do anything? Or <laughs> what happened if this is like the new normal now mm-hmm. where you can't have any live shows? So, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being a negative person, I thought, okay, what can I do? So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe I could make some skits, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's always um, local um, Instagram comedians, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't do stand up, but they just make funny videos like mm-hmm. this. So I was like, okay, maybe I can post something like that. And I think that first viral video I posted was the um, the toilet paper dealer. And it's, <laughs> that one went like nationwide too. So, so um, <clears throat> I filmed that one with my dad. Basically, I was a drug dealer who was selling toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, and I go, what you like, the $10 or the $20? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ultra soft and all that. So once that video blew up, I was like, okay, maybe I can, I can do this now, you know? Yeah. So then I started making more videos and more videos. But I never used to make skits like that until until this lockdown until and then recently. but i started to realize like you know mostly mo- a lot of the stand-up comedians do that too so like mm-hmm. like augie t had his own um augie tv show you know he would yep. do skits like that mm-hmm. the brothers have a no. tv show <laughs> <coughs> i mean andy bumatai did like high school days all mm-hmm. in the ohana all his yep. all his skits so it's all 
it's all a big a big branch but i'll never forget what um andy bumatai told me he said comedy is a is a big um genre yeah and then there's i mean there's like comedy drama action and all that Mm -hmm. yeah Comedy is like the the, the toughest one to, to do because you got to make people laugh, and yeah. it's hard to make people laugh. And then from comedy, there's different types of comedy. There's uh-huh. stand up, sketch, skits, mm-hmm. improv, and all that. Yeah? yeah. And out of all those types of comedy, stand up is the hardest one to do. Yeah. We're doing us, us stand up comedians are doing like the, the toughest of the toughest genre. You yeah. know. So if you can master stand up comedy, you can branch out into all those other yeah. forms, skits, improv, sketch. So it, it all it all connects. So. Yeah. That made it easier to, to make more skits like that. I, I bet, too, that all of these skits, skits, sketches, and stuff that you're making, it probably helps to fuel some of the oh, yeah. creativity for the stand-up. Right? Yeah, Your definitely, yeah. And, stuff. and the one thing, I mean, everyone that follows you already knows, but so you are going to be headlining six shows, right? Yeah, six shows. So talk a little bit about <coughs> that and how this came to fruition, and especially now during the, yeah. the lockdown and everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm performing six shows at the Blue Note. Um from October 16th to the 18th. So mm-hmm. it's two shows a night. Mm-hmm. And originally it was just, just going to be two shows. Um, my promoter, uh, and he's, he works with Blue Note too, been trying to um, set up a date with that. Uh-huh. And uh, I chose to do October because we planned this a, a while back and yeah. I was like, okay, maybe October because I feel like that's when things would lighten up a little bit and maybe you can yeah. bring a, more people in. Yeah, we scheduled two shows on October 18th, the Sunday. Okay. And then once we posted that, you know, the, the those two shows sold out in a day. So then we're like, okay, um, we should add one more show then. Okay, we add one more. So we add one more on that Saturday. And then boom, it sold out within like like half an hour. And I, I'm just all oh, mind blown because it's never happened to any of my shows before. Uh-huh. I mean, some of them would sell out, but it would take like a whole uh, couple weeks or yeah. a month to sell out. Mm-hmm. Not in a day, you know, this is the <laughs> yeah. first time that happened. And then I was like, okay, that one sold out. So that's three shows. And then we add one more, boom, sold out again. And then I, ha- I would always have people DMing me, messaging me. Oh, are you going to add more shows? I keep I keep forgetting, you know. I keep <laughs> As soon as I look on, boom, sold out. So they said, okay, just do, just do that whole weekend. Do two more shows that Friday. And I was uh-huh. like, okay. I did that. And then the, those two shows sold out as well. And then yeah. I'm stopping at, at six, I think. I think that's enough, you yeah. know. But I, I'm still overwhelmed with, with joy. And, and it's the first time it's happened to uh-huh. me you know and i'm excited for it yeah it's it's gonna be a very exciting weekend and you know people just gotta keep following you because you're starting to grow pick up traction yeah. and everything so without giving it away how how are you all set for those shows or are you still trying to like fine-tune things or what's the process like for you um now? yeah i'm still trying to like uh fine-tune it you know mm-hmm. i'm always uh preparing what i gotta say you uh-huh. know I'm at a point now in my career where, like, before I was so technical, like, okay, I got to mention this, mention that, mention this in this specific order. Yeah. Now that I've <clears throat> done it for almost four years, I realize it's almost like jazz a little bit. Because yeah. every audience is different, you know. Yeah. So whatever it is, you can have, a, like, a set list of what you plan on talk about. <laughs> but um, if they give you something, you know, now I, I try to, like, talk with the audience a little bit more, uh-huh. you know, comment about you know someone wearing glasses at night or something like that (laughs) shades at night and it's more fun that way you know and and whatever they give at me i kind of try to adjust with that and hit them with okay i can hit them with this material maybe they like the portuguese jokes i'll I'll throw them with this one you know or this crowd is not too local so i might not talk too much pigeon you know what i mean (laughs) so you kind of adjust and 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 play around with it and and it's more fun that way no that's definitely comes with experience too yeah it does i think that's what will make your shows a lot more engaging entertaining and everything now i have to ask one more question before we start to close up here i know you're busy and everything but i read i think in an article a long time ago that you test a lot of your jokes on your dad because he's hard to laugh yeah how true is that like do you actually practice i did yeah so i i i always run um whenever i have an idea even for a skit too Mm -hmm. i always test it with him because um I think he's a funny guy, but he's also hard to, to make laugh, like I said. <laughs> so if I feel like if I can make him laugh, <clears throat> I can make anybody laugh, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, but there is some times where he's like, oh, that I don't think that's funny, but I would still post it and it would do good. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> but I always run it by him and he kind of gives me his his thought about it, his insight about it. And yeah. um, I, I I just feel it like as a, um, as a proofread, you know, when you proofread a a paper you're turning in <laughs> yeah. just like, or pure pure edit you know yeah, yeah. so I kind of go go with him and see what he says and then yeah. adjust from there yeah no that's that's awesome and I, I think you know just having 
sounds like you have a good support system you know yeah people that you can rely on to give you feedback and it just helps you to become better right definitely kind of before we close up here so looking back on everything it's kind of interesting well it's very interesting to hear all of your all of my guest stories and everything how it came together to get to you to where you are right now but if you kind of look at comparing all the lessons you learn from mm-hmm. sports because sports has been a big part of your life before comedy yeah. right if you look at all of the big lessons that you learn from sports how much has that helped you in your career in, com- in comedy um it it helped a lot actually so i kind of i kind of take like each gig I do um, like a football game you know yeah, yeah. so it's it, it's uh, I talked a bit about it with Andy Bumatai on his podcast and he was like he never thought of it that way but uh-huh. I told him it's, it's like football you know like um, you know when you, you watch film to prepare for your opponent you know so usually when I perform I <clears throat> record myself uh, mm-hmm. I video camera or I just straight audio yeah. and I would listen to the set after that and find out okay they didn't get laughs at this part I gotta work on uh, this stuff yeah, yeah. so that's like watching film you know mm-hmm. watching your opponent and um, I try to correct myself on that and also um, like when you play in a game you know you have the adrenaline rush yeah, yeah so stand up comedy is the same way I get uh-huh. I get nervous before I go on stage yeah. I still do these days <laughs> but I feel like it's good because when you're nervous you're alert you know yeah. you're alert and you're also excited you know so that's the main thing you gotta have once you lose your nervousness I think I think that's when you're gonna you know bomb or yeah. do bad because you you think you're all that and all that yeah. so you're not humble anymore mm-hmm. so I get nervous it's like a football game and then when I when I tell that first joke on stage mm-hmm. and they laugh that's yeah. when I usually lighten up a little bit and, yeah. and kind of smooth in and that's almost like you know that first play yeah. on the football field or that first hit you make so yeah. there's a lot of similarities and also just the competition you know being being an athlete you yeah. always want to be competitive you know so yeah. in this stand-up show business yeah. business in hawaii it, it there's there's always competition it, it uh-huh. might, may not seem like that like they're trying to be all nice to you but <laughs> everybody wants to be on the top they want to be the best yeah. you know in hawaii so i try to take that competition and that's just it's natural in me yeah. and there's, there's a lot of similarities in, in football so I try to take all that and push it to my comedy uh-huh. career and, and, and it's, it's working and I love it you know yes it's good to hear all of that because a lot of the competitiveness you know how you're executing the actual task just yep. in a different field there's a lot of overlap with everything that we do and we're so excited to see what the future <laughs> holds all of these upcoming shows and you know all of the things that you're posting on social media even your YouTube um, I, I noticed that you're getting a little bit more on YouTube too. A little bit, so like, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to. I think it's like 500 something subscribers, but yeah. I know people have way more than that. But I feel like I gotta post more on YouTube. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to figure out what to post. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do like vlogs because there's so many people that vlog. You know, <laughs> yeah. you gotta be different. And yeah. then I thought about you know doing podcasts and all that, but mm-hmm. that even that is is tough. So yeah. big props to you and <laughs> on continuing to do this podcast. No, thanks for coming on too yeah. and everything. Let's before we close up. What's all of your? Where can people find you? all of your um, yeah so on Instagram you can find me at um, Tumua underscore so it's T-U-M-U-A underscore mm-hmm. I tried to make it without the underscore but someone has one so I was <laughs> like okay I gotta put the underscore but I think that account doesn't even have anyone on it <laughs> the the regular Tumua yes, yeah yes. so but you gotta you gotta put the underscore underneath to find me and then I'm sure you, you'll see it and then on Facebook it's just Tumua Tween A mm-hmm. and then um, YouTube is Tumua Tween A yes. and then TikTok too um, I guess that's the new thing now yeah so <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tumua underscore as well so got it so everyone go check it out uh, include it in the show notes <laughs> yeah. one thing that I like to end off with is if you had any anything that you would have liked to know before like growing up maybe through high school through college yeah or any words of wisdom that you want to pass on to and it could be anybody younger athletes or just people that are looking to you know move into the next next chapter of their life well what are some of your things that you live by that you can pass on one is to just uh do what you love you know um I found out that I love I love stand up comedy I love performing, mm-hmm. and if you pursue what you love, then 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 the money will come. You know everything will come, as long as you you know a job. They, what is that saying where the best job is a job you love doing? Mm-hmm. So if you love doing like working construction, then pursue that. You know if you love doing comedy, you love playing sports, doing um, broadcasts, podcasts, and all that, or just do what you love. Find what find your passion, and um, also another good advice is learn how to say no. Mm -hmm. because you don't want to accept 
you don't want people to take advantage of you you know i'm yeah. starting to realize that a lot like just at my level of my career just learn how to say no sometimes it's good to say no and you don't have to say yes to everything you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean so that's another good thing to do and just um yeah enjoy life and just you know have fun (laughs) well thanks for joining us on joining me on this podcast episode no problem learn a lot about your journey and i'm super excited to see where your next few years take you because you have some great stuff great content and thank you thank you it's gonna make hawaii proud for sure (laughs) but anyway thank you again for joining us uh thanks for thanks for coming in and we look forward to your future thank you appreciate it 